You're listening to the Relationship-Centered Learning Podcast, a podcast to inspire and empower you to be a difference maker in a dysfunctional educational system. Hear weekly from adults and students who are having a radical impact in the education space as they share from their minds and hearts, giving us practical tools that we can take back to our classrooms and campuses. Here to take you outside the educational box is author, disruptor, and your host, Kevin Curtis. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I sit down and interview Mr. Dave Stewart Jr. Dave is a best-selling author of These Six Things, beloved by teachers in dozens of countries. He's an online PD developer in student motivation, classroom management, time management, and humanizing online learning experiences. Keynote speaker, popular writer, and award-winning educator, and best of all, husband and father who refuses to sacrifice family on the altar of professional success. So I first heard Dave Stewart talk on the Cult of Pedagogy podcast. And once I heard him on there, I knew I wanted to not just connect with him, but I wanted to pick his brain. I wanted to hear some of the things that were behind his moments of genuine connection and how he builds intentional practices in his classroom as a teacher and how he teaches others how we can make moments of genuine connection and build relationships with students and with staff. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Welcome to the Relationship Centered Learning Podcast, where we put relationships at the center of all learning. I am hyped today to have Dave Stewart on the show. Welcome to the show, Dave. Oh, so good to be here, Kevin. Absolutely. So Dave, just like every episode, we always preach and teach connections before content. We do that in the GTKY flip five format. So Dave, I'm going to ask you five GTKY questions. You get to flip five back at me (laughs) and then we'll get going. All right, Dave, simple question right here. If somebody walked you into a karaoke place, are you karaoke or are you watching? (laughs) I'm probably going to be watching. That's a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think the same thing. I've only karaoke one time. And let's just say, like I said, I think from this point forward, I will be watching. Right? <laughs> All right, Dave, question number two. What was your first car that you ever got on, you know, your first car you got on your own that yeah. you were like, yes. What was that first car? As a blue Ford Probe. Ford Probe. They don't make those anymore. But uh, it's a stick shift. Just a speedy little little uh, little car. Oh my God! You mentioned stick shift. I love driving. Man- I I love driving manual transmissions. Oh, yeah. I it, it was it was something. Mine was a 1976 Capri two, bright yellow, like okay. canary yellow. Oh my God, banana! It was just yeah, very bright. But yeah, I I worked all summer to save nine hundred dollars to get that one. Yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. Question number three. Are you a tie guy or a no tie guy? You know, I think on an ideal week when I'm when I'm doing what I feel I need to do, I'll wear a tie at least Monday through Wednesday. Okay. But, uh, not every week's like that. So if I'm tired in the morning, I usually don't put a tie on. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, how about you? You know, here's the deal. I love ties. I love shoes and I love ties. If you walked into my closet, you'd be like, is this like, wait, <laughs> it, I love ties and I love shoes. So when I get a chance to wear them, particularly, you know, if I get a chance to put one on for staff development or when I was in the school, I love being an administrator and a leader. It was tough when I was teaching and coaching because the transition between clothes throughout the entire day, but I love ties along with shoes. All right. Question number four. All right. If I was coming to your hometown, where you're at right now, mm-hmm. where, where are you going to take me to eat? We're going to go to the Cedar Springs Brewing Company. They've they've got some, so it's like a German pretty authentic german spot so uh, if you like beer they've got some kind of renowned german beers and some american style and then same with cuisine you got some really good american style food but also some real authentic uh, german okay last question dave all right if they created a dave stewart jr action figure you're an action figure dave what two accessories are coming with dave stewart's action figure Oh my gosh, that's nice. Uh, you probably have to. I mean, if it's a real life action figure, glasses, because those uh-huh. those those can come or go depending on what I'm what I'm uh-huh. looking at. And I don't know, being a blogger, I guess like a laptop. Okay. No. <laughs> hey, I love it. That or uh, a lightsaber. You know, a <laughs> third one would be a lightsaber. Okay. Oh my god, mine would be uh, a golf club because I okay. just le- really love to play golf outside. 
And then two, just the microphone. I think it would yeah, right. represent not just the podcast, but speaking, you know, that's yeah. has yeah. become my passion. So uh, if I'm not speaking or whatever, I'd love to be able to play golf outside. Nice. All right, brother, that's five. So okay. uh, hit me back with five. All right. Speaking of sports. Okay. A sport that you've never tried, but you'd like to. Lacrosse. Oh, curling popped into my mind. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. That's a, that one would be one up there too. I don't know why, but yeah, as soon as you said <laughs> right. it, I was, as soon as you said it, went with the first brain, one that went to the brain waves, but it was yep. like lacrosse. Somebody when you were high school or younger who inspired you? I've talked to, I've done it, an, an episode of my elementary teacher that inspired me to be a teacher, but I'm going to switch it up here. High school, Coach Terry Hall. It was one of those relationships that seemed to transcend the boundaries of just the playing field and the locker room. It was really more of like a father figure, even mm. though I had my dad at home. In fact, I just talked to him last week and I, I tried to explain to him, it was really hard to express how I grew just gradually, but grew connected to him. And when I finally graduated, I was like, so coach, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on becoming a coach and teacher and that? And he was like, you know, wow. You know? Yeah. And I told him, I said, he's inspired. He, Miss Bagme inspired me to be a teacher. He inspired me for the coaching aspect because I know you don't know much about me personally, but I grew up in drugs and alcohol, Dave, and my mm. brothers have all passed. And the reason I say this is, is teachers and, and coaches combined gave me and put me on a trajectory where I was the only college graduate and mm. finally yeah. graduated with the highest GPA, GPA of all my athletes. Like I saw the value of how athletics and academics combine could give mm -hmm. you a potential yeah. new path. And so yeah. uh, for Coach Hall, it was more of like a father figure more than anything else that he gave me that I think I was yearning for. Oh, man. Very cool. You said you talked to him last week? I just talked to him last week. You know, I try to every couple months just reach out to him. And, you know, it's it's he's, such a, he's a loud, boisterous man. And he's like, oh, yeah. how are you, Kevin Curtis? You know? <laughs> and then, of course, he'll want to reminisce. Remember that game? You know, and, and right, oh, right. man. But uh, wow. but and I and, and I try to remind him because I think we did a whole episode where we don't tell the educators that inspired us. We, we don't always tell them that. And I think yeah. particularly in the pandemic. And so I told him, I said, coach, I just want you to remind you, hey, like I, I cannot thank you enough for you know, the impact. But he's like, what impact? I didn't do anything that I didn't do for everybody else. And I said, right. well, all I'm telling you is thank you. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard it, but I'm going to tell you for me, you stand out. Like you're yeah. just one of those top people in my life that I look back and say, that was a moment of genuine connection, but it wasn't just, like you said, it wasn't just one. It was um, all these moments put together right, right. that before you knew it, I was like really leaning in and realizing like I needed that connection from him and that guidance. Like he, yeah. in fact, when I became a coach, he even said, this was interesting because I was looking for a job and he said, I'm not the easiest guy to work for. And he said, I don't know if you really want to work for me. Like you played, <laughs> you know, and he was really honest. He said, you played for me, right. but I'm a very intense head football coach. And I'm, we're in Texas. Football's huge. Yeah, and he said, right. his, his advice to me is, he said, I don't know if you really want to work with me. I think he... It's crazy. I think he cared so much that he didn't want that relationship to to be bruised or damaged in any way sure. by 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 changing roles. He yes. liked the idea. Of, Let me be that former teacher and coach, and you be the student, and let's keep that there. So right. yeah, yeah. Right. Good question. Cool. Great, great awesome. memories. Awesome. Kind of related. Somebody in your life who is somebody in your life today who's not labeled a teacher, but you look at them and you look at what they do, and they're totally a teacher. Does that make sense? Yes. So I got to think for this one for a second. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Bobby Kohler. Okay. So Bobby Kohler is, is like a, a youth, not even youth. He's a ministry leader in Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Okay. So FCA. And what yeah. Bob, Bobby, even though he's not an official teacher, like you said, he teaches so many, he'll do Bible studies for colleges and all that stuff. So he does teach in a certain way. But for me, what Bobby does is he doesn't even teach me about Christ or the Bible. He just teaches me about life. Mm. And to have that type of person just in your corner, you know, I, I just had a hip replacement surgery and, and he's checking on me and he's asking me questions and how I'm doing. Mm. But he is a type of person that will mentor and guide anyone 
And he's the type of person is like you said, he's not officially a teacher in the teaching field, but he is constantly teaching whether he recognizes it or not. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. I yeah. hope he hears this. Yeah, shout out Bobby Kohler. I'm gonna have to yeah, tell there him. We I go. Mean, I'm gonna tell him. You, I mentioned you on this episode, buddy. Something that you like to do just about every day, if not every day. Be outdoors. I, I mean, I need to, whether it's walk, you know, do everything. Any, I just, I, and I can't sit still. I can't just sit around, but I'd love to be outdoors. Anything outdoors. I mean, I, I love whether it's walk, hike, fish, hunt, golf. Yeah. Uh, I just really prefer being, I want to get every day, I want to get outdoors. So when I had the hip replacement, you know, they're like, you know, walk around with things. I'm like, I need to walk outdoors. I just, I know it's, it's, I know it sounds simple versus something complex, but walking outdoors and just being outdoors, vitamin D, air, fresh air makes a huge difference for me intrinsically in my life. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Yes, sir. I'm going to send you off for a day to research into a topic, learn about a topic, but it cannot be anything related to your work. What topic do you pick? My passion is, but it can't, it's not related to my work, but I really want to, I really want to open a church for educators. We should talk about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah, like, so, I mean, I I know that's, I know it's kind of bordering my work, but it's not per se, because I mean, right. I'm talking about like getting, not staying in the education lane, but right. really figuring out how to, I, I was, I started a second master's in Christian ministry and I thought I was going to be a youth pastor and, mm. and God didn't even come in my life until I was 33. So I didn't grow up around any of that, but, but I really thought to myself, man, I would really love to create some type of message that is biblical, but also at the same time is really geared towards, I, I think I cheated now that I say it's geared toward educators. So I think I cheated at you on your answer because yeah, I know I, I'm laughing, but I'm saying like it ended up pointing back to my space, but, but it is, it's coming from a completely different angle that I would have to research right. and go, I don't even know how to begin that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Beautiful. Well, thank you. That was a fun act- activity. Even, Absolutely. Even having to come up with questions to ask was was a good good exercise. Well, I will tell you, Dave. Like for us, that GTKY is like the premises. We say build your school on a rock of relationships instead of the sands of initiatives. Oh, our man. our yeah, that's that's my that's kind of my phrase, right? Cool. I did a whole blog. I'll send it to you. My blog was yeah, build your school on a rock of relationships instead of the sands of initiatives. And so, as our listeners. That's why we really promote connections before content. And we like to do it out of a less, instead of a lesson-based format, the GTKY is fun. It's creative. Um, And for us, you know, it allows us, you and I, to get a chance to know each other before we dive into today's content. So for our listeners, that's the GTKY flip five five format for the day. Um, If you want to know more about the questions, GTKY questions, or you want to join our weekly circles or join our brand new Facebook group, head over to our website at rclfirst.com and you can click on the links to gain access to all of those. All right, Dave. Um, so yeah, I think what we were just on, you know, initiating that conversation, because I told you, we, we don't know where to start. I really started recognizing through restorative practices, like, okay, it's proactive, but it's only about community building circles and, or repairing harm. So I started to navigate through those waters and I saw a lot of success, but I saw a lot of challenges. And the reason being is for me, circle is like the elephant of restorative practices because it takes so much time. It takes us to physically rearrange our space. There was a lot of things. And in the restorative movement, um, in the restorative practices movement, you have to have value around a centerpiece, openings, closing. There's a lot of components. And so I was, as I was trying to teach it to Fidelity, a lot of teachers were getting bogged down in all the moving pieces and, yeah, and, right. and, and, and just imagine if you haven't had a lot of training or you weren't prepared for that through college or you didn't come from background and you came to education in one day, it's really hard to teach you how to facilitate yeah. that. And so we started recognizing what if we could create smaller, simple tools that are GTKY format, because the other thing we, we started realizing is social, emotional learning race, culture, diversity, trauma-informed practices, there are some huge, heavy components out there that I think our our students are going to need. But my thought, Dave, was, is how do you do those heavy lifting with those things, even social-emotional learning? How do you do those if we don't even know each other? Because if you get an SEL workbook 
or lessons, it's usually going to come in a lesson format, right? It's going to tell you, all right, we're going to be talking about empathy or compassion or checking in. And it's going to tell you, here's your objective. Here's how long you're going to do it. Here's the questions. And I'm not even attacking it nor putting it down. I'm saying, again, just like we model, Dave, what about just getting to know each other before we get into our social emotional needs? Or heaven forbid, we talk about race or culture or diversity or trauma. And that is where I really started to transcend. And I said, hey, our rebranding for 2021 is really RCL. Relationship-centered learning is nothing but about putting that foundation of relationships as a rock. And then you can put any subject matter, any content, any lesson-based curriculums, anything you want to put on, but we have to get a chance to know each other. So, and what I loved about hearing you on the cult of pedagogy, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it was episode like 194. I I just kept Mm. saying it over, and I've mentioned it on this podcast multiple times. You got to check out that one. But what I remember, Dave, is, is, and the other thing is you're at the secondary. You've Mm. been teaching at the secondary level And the reason I say that is, is for me, and I think a lot of people, that's like the least fertile soil Mm. to really try to get relation and a a relationship approach, right? Centered approach to kind of really take seeds. So when you, yeah. yeah, So when you think through your journey, like how did you start to figure out how to navigate around the secondary mindset, the the day, the students, what were some of the things that led you because eventually I want to get into some of the pragmatic tools, but what was your mindset or what led you down this mindset to start talking about these things? I think, I think tangential factors like, like my upbringing mentors early on experiences in college gave me a good, I guess, gut instinct that relationships are very important. And as an early career teacher in Baltimore, I didn't have much, and I'm not, I'm not blaming like my training, but I, I didn't have much actionable tools like, really robust models in my mind for how to do teaching well. But so, so, so basically my approach to just getting the classroom to be, you know, like classroom management 101 for me was relationships based classroom management. I called it. So I would, I would invest a ton into developing relationships with students. I did weekly restaurant trips with a handful of kids each week to get through my whole roster, spent a lot of time on the phone with families just invested a ton into relationships. And that was kind of how I kept myself afloat just as a teacher, because, you know, for many of my students, I was teaching middle school at the time. Middle school was not a place that they wanted to be. It was a place that they were used to seeing students misbehave, to joining in on that misbehavior. And, um, you know, school was just disconnected from their life. So I, I tried to build relationships with all the students in my classes so that when I asked them like, you know, to pay attention during direct instruction and stay on task during independent practice, they would do it because of the relational capital that we had. Problem with that approach is that I was spending so much time, you know, so when my wife and I needed to relocate from Baltimore for her, for the purpose of her schooling, I just, I I quit teaching. I, I pursued other jobs and I didn't know if I'd be back. So I'm very thankful that I did end up back to teaching after that year off because I approach teaching now with a new mentality. I knew that relationships were really important, but I had to identify ways to build relationships efficiently so that I could continue to invest in my understanding of learning, of teaching. You know, I mean, like you said, I love that. Build your school on a rock of relationships. I, I knew I needed that rock. Mm-hmm. I didn't go away from that. I've never strayed from that. I often say that relationships aren't the point of school, but they're a teacher's most valuable currency and richest reward in school. So my question became, how do you build relationships efficiently so that you have time for the rest of your life and the rest of your job? And I think that is where, when I was listening to your mindset and how you were kind of tackling and navigating those that timepiece because i think when we do professional development and we talk about the importance of relationships much like your infant i think i don't think most educators don't argue that the currency right. or i don't right. think anyone really argues the currency i think if you right. say connection before content i think they're all like absolutely yeah i think the biggest question is how and for right. me that as you were navigating and, and starting to figure out, that's what we started to do, Dave. And that's why I really got excited when I heard about your, your ideas and your structures, because I believe that's what's lacking in education, either in preparation 
right? You know, yes, in college preparing, like you said, we're not preparing those teachers. Or two, we have a lot of school leaders that are saying, you know, well, don't forget, you know, I mean, you, I think it, it would help your classroom management or, or academic, whatever it is, if you would improve your relationships. Right. But nobody's specifically telling them how. And I think right. the biggest compliment that personally, I've had lots of compliments, but the biggest compliment was a simple principle that said, hey, for 20 years, I've been really emphasizing the importance and values of relationships. But today I'm leaving this workshop knowing how. And right. like for us, it's crazy, but in our educational world, there's not many people that are really collaborating and bringing together the ideas. Well, how do we do this? And so right. you ran into the same thing efficiently, but yet effectively. And mm -hmm. so what were, what were some of your, you know, birth ideas or what you really started realizing, started navigating to realize like this could be actually pan out to be something useful versus you know, something that it does take up too much time in the classroom when it comes to really focusing on that relationship approach. Yeah. As I talk about with Jen in the Call the Vet Pedagogy podcast, moments of genuine connection has kind of become what I call the basic building block of a relationship. Relationships are built on moments of genuine connection between two people. And, you know, moments of genuine connection are just experiences of super brief where you attempt to make a child feel valued, known, and respected valued known and respected so you and i were talking before the podcast about about some cool yeah because we say valued, we say valued seen and heard and so when right. you said that i'm like like right. i almost like had to pause and i was like wait what if what were three words he said so i think what's so fascinating about that kevin the similarity between our tools is like to me that so speaks to the to the truth and veracity of this approach because you've got two people separated by you know like thousands of miles or whatever, um, never met each other, but really, really keenly interested about the work that matters the most in education, because we are all stressed out with too many things to do, too many things expected of us. If you if you do teaching, if you do leadership in a school, if you do any of the roles in the school at the default, what what on paper you're supposed to do, you'll burn out, you'll be super ineffective. Uh, that's that's not like a blame game. That's just like an impartial observation, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know that. So then it's impinging upon the, the educator as a professional to identify, so what is the best way for me to use my time? And as you say with, with that line, connection before content, I love this. We're both saying content's super important. Like mm -hmm. schools exist to help children gain an education about the world that they live in, identify their passions. You, you've got to keep teach kids stuff. You, that's the job. But we also both recognize that when that is done, when that is done apart from a relationship, it's like trying to send an electrical current through a through a wire without the insulation around it. You know, it's just I mean, you can do it, but it's kind of dangerous and it's really inefficient. Tons of electricity is lost if it doesn't have that insulation. Relationships form that insulation. They I love that that picture of a rock because, you know, teachers are going to mess up. Principals are going to mess up. Students are going to mess up. That's inevitable. Mm -hmm. But when there's a rock of relationships, the mess ups don't sink the ship. They don't they don't like topple the building, I guess, to stick with the analogy. Yeah. Well, because then then grace is potentially yeah. given, understanding, yeah. listening, communication. And I, you know, I, I've I've emphasized over and over, I think the biggest takeaway from this work for me is I'm become a better listener. And I've mm -hmm. I see other people's points of views. You know, we always say you can't tell someone how they should feel. So if I right. accidentally or intentionally made you feel a certain way, then I'm culpable and responsible for that. And then I've got to figure out how to, but I've noticed, as you said, well, I can repair that harm and make things right if we're literally standing on this rock of a relationship, because then all of those things are taken into context versus the ones that are yeah. that, you know, you say you can't build a, how do you repair a harm? If you, how do you repair a relationship if you've never had a relationship? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, that's a good so, question. Right. So mm. I think so. One thing that to educate it as we're kind of going back, we're sharing our philosophies because we're kind of new to each other. I developed I was actually in the Chicago area and I had a teacher saying, so I don't understand. This was almost a literal question. Do you want me to be teaching content or do you want me to be building relationships? Right. And I'm mm. like, well, it's and she, and she we did it like she was like, which channel do you want me to be on? And right, so I was like, right. you know, which zone? And I so I developed a graphic. It's just called the three zones of learning. But I think what you had mentioned is the first zone. So just divide just divide a circle into, you know, two thirds 
or, or, or sorry, one big section. And then the biggest section, Dave, I tell them is content. Like yeah. that is, that is the heaviest piece that we're here. But what's, what's interesting about the content is also that's the one area that we're evaluated in. We're appraised in every district and every principal and every campus is evaluated. There's accountability right. surrounding it. So there's, and we're, and we're required to mostly submit either planning or lesson plans or something. We have to be prepared for that. Well, underneath it in a smaller section, I have the correct zone in the correct zone. This is where we redirect misbehaviors, write office referrals. This is where attendance potentially could come in ADA. So what I started noticing about this red zone is what I color it. This is also something that impacts content, but it's also evaluated, right? So yeah. there's an evaluation around disproportionality, office referrals, attendance, uh, student management, documentation, all of those things. So then I said, I went to the top and I said, okay, this is the green zone. And in the green zone, it's the same size as the red zone, but this is where the connect zone. But yeah. guess what? In the connect zone, there's no accountability. We don't treasure what we measure, right? So there's no measure. There's no right. accountability. I always say there's no accountabilities for connections or a relationship report. And I realize it's hard to measure whether it's, uh, what is it? Quantifier or, right. you know, mm -hmm. but at the end. So for me, what I started recognizing is for educators, our world is such surrounded. And this is obviously pre-pandemic, but our world is surrounded accountability on what we're held accountable for our jobs. And this is yeah. where I'm evaluated. This is my job performance. We have some districts in Texas that are actually paid by these evaluations. It yeah. changes. So nobody is paying you by your relationships. Right. You know, nobody's paying right. you about how you're doing on connections. And so I really started thinking and I had to ask Dave, are we truly, are the work that you and I are doing that are preaching and teaching, are we gonna really permeate education to a extent where that we start to reconsider the relationship, the rock of relationships as that foundation. If it isn't that foundation, then, you know, as you build a house, you have a surveyor that comes out and looks at your foundation to make sure it's correct. Right. You're right. like, it, there's an evaluation part. I just feel like in our lifetime, if, if these are the people at the top of above us, Dave, that are making these yeah. decisions in education yeah. until they start to understand our point of view and see efficiently, effectively, then are relationships and connections ever truly going to start to really transform the way you and I believe that they could yeah. without a, some type of accountability around it? What, you, what are your I thoughts know. on that? I, I love that question. I was thinking about it today, like during one of my classes. I think that, so, so there's this, I forget what it's called, Goodrich's Law or something that basically says that as soon as, as soon as a measure becomes a target, it stops being useful as a measure. Mm. So the idea... I mean, we see it all over in education. Why do we measure standardized tests? Because we think that achievement in reading and mathematics is predictive of a flourishing life. That's our thesis. Right. Good, bad, or otherwise is a different conversation. But whenever you get a school that's hyper-focused on just improving the test, now all of a sudden the test really doesn't end up being a measure of long-term flourishing because you start to not teach a well-rounded holistic education, which is really what forms a flourishing life. You start to burn everybody out, teachers and kids and everybody's just stressed out. So a part of me says we shouldn't come up with ways to measure relationships because there seems to be something in human nature that, that wants to turn measurement into the target and you lose the point. Yes. So something I've been thinking about just today is it seems like what our schools would really be transformed by if you could have them filled with educators at every level of responsibility who are lovingly competent lovingly competent. This is something that I think I ran away from for years in my writing, the idea of love. But I increasingly think even just looking at current events, like we, we should stop running away from the fact that this is a fundamental ingredient. It's a skill, it's a disposition that really is explanatory for a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. When it's there, a lot of good things happen. When it's not there, a lot of bad things happen. So I think that if, if you could help people to be lovingly competent, competent, that, that's where you really understand like how teaching works, how learning works, how relationships play in, right? I love this uh, three zones of learning that you described to me is beautiful because what you're helping educators to do is not just, see, that this is why I think what you're doing at RCL is, is really beautiful. You're giving tools, practical strategies like the GTKY, GTKY flip five. I can't say it either. I know. We're both struggling <laughs> with that one today. 
So that's a really practical tool. You know, when I hear that, Kevin, I'm like, oh, that's like so smart to give people one level of specificity, one level of uh, greater specificity on what a moment of genuine connection is or can look like. Like, I love that. I'm going to tell people about that and point them to what you're doing because it's it's like super clear. But then you're also, on the other hand, you're helping teachers to understand with the three zones of learning. That is so important and so lacking in a lot of PD. A lot of PD just shoots straight towards tactic, 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 tactic or it tries to give you the whole, like like you said, the the restorative practice, that, that whole body of research is huge. So, so it seems like you're finding this middle ground and that I really am excited by it where you're helping teachers to understand how relationships work, why they matter, mm-hmm. how they fit into the big picture. Teachers are dying for coherent pictures of their job. That teacher who came up to you, she's, she's my, my uh, interpretation. And I think yours too was you're just dying for someone to tell you what, like, just what am what I, to ex- do. what am I expected to do? Yeah. I I'm tired of, I go to a new PD and now I'm expected to, to be an expert at trauma informed care. And now I've got to pay attention to the standardized test. Now I've got to do this, that. Like that is just crushing to the human spirit when you feel like you're never gaining in competence. So I love this idea of making competence really clear for teachers. Okay. Help them to understand teaching using models like the three zones of learning. And then, you know, the, the love part, the last thing I'll say with that is that love is not something you just like decide. It's not just a decision, right? It's a right. discipline of practice. I want to become physically stronger. I need to get in the gym. I need to lift weights. I need to do push-ups. And my body will respond. I'll get stronger. Right. Well, if I want to grow in love, I need to get in the gym. I need to lift weights. And that looks like GTKY flip five. That looks like tracking moments of genuine connection. And I think I should be measuring how much of that I'm doing right. just so that I can get better so that I know that I'm not leaving any easy gains off the table. I don't know about schools measuring it. So that was a lot, man. You you no. really you really you started a wildfire in my in my head there, man. Oh, man. I appreciate it. Thank no, you. No, absolutely. <laughs> so I I will affirm you in I have struggled. All I've acknowledged. So let me just say this. All I'm acknowledging is is typically if we don't account if we're not accountable for it, then teachers, like you said, it's not going to be a priority, and I, right. I'm going to struggle to make it. This. So yes, I'm with you though because. As I've been really pushing this relationship model, I have said, don't, we have a connection. We have like a, a, a connection plan, Dave, where all it is, is the, the practical tools on the left and Monday through Friday on the right. It, it's basically a cool. connection. It's a, it's a lesson plan for connections, right? Okay. But what I have said, Dave, is principles don't make them turn this in because if you realize it, if you turn it in, it kind of goes back to, it, it, it's affirming what you just said. If now all of a sudden it's something we're measuring, now it's just something I got to do. And, I, and I've lost that whole intrinsic motivation of like, oh, I really need to do this because yeah. I understand the philosophy. Because, yeah. you know, we've trained, uh, Dave, I know this year alone was 9,000, but I think over the life we did, I think we look back at our PD number, 20,000 educators who, who we've impacted in, in, in five years, right? Cool. So here, and, and I don't say that like, when I say this is because when we interact with them, we learn from them. And what I've learned about implementation over these years is about, and I'm using some raw numbers, but let's say 10% of your population is kind of your, to a certain extent, the cream. And so they understand the importance of relationships. They were probably like you already doing something like this. And when I come in, I'm only either enhancing or affirming or confirming them, right? So that's that small percentage. Then you have about, and I'm guessing, you know, five to 10% of your staff, that's not really going to do anything no matter what. Okay. So then I'm with you. I tell them 80% of you are sitting here today. Just tell me what to do. And we literally took that. And so when we do a 60 second relay break or a two minute connection, Dave, we're like step one, right? GTK, get your GTK white questions. Step two, right? Like, and something I'll share with you, I think that could also kind of give you something to think about as an output, because I think teachers always want to know, well, what's my objective here? Like, well, what am I trying to accomplish? And the more I started thinking about the restorative model, what circles do is I said, you're trying to cross connect. So when all of our tools as an outcome, as a litmus test, you should be building, you should be connecting three ways, student to student, student to teacher, and teacher to student. And we have a little diagram that shows how graphic. 
And the reason I say that, Dave, is unfortunately, teachers that are not cut from the cloth of your experience and your growth, then they'll have students share things and they'll learn about them, but they won't actually contribute. Yeah. And so I, on, on my very first episode of this, uh, Mr. Joe Beckman, and if you've never met Joe Beckman, need to meet him. He's, I call him the human connector. He was a, he's okay. in the Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Michigan area. And Joe is, he's not, oh, here's another one. Man, I, I didn't even think about it. I gave you Bobby Kohler. I would have said Joe Beckman. He is not a teacher, but man, he teaches teachers and he teaches kids. So Joe mm -hmm. Beckman was a keynote at our speaker uh, conference the last time we had it. But I made a personal connection with Joe, like anything else. And here's what Joe said. You know, Joe said, sometimes in education, we're so busy trying to be extraordinary at, at our job that it's when we're ordinary that we make those connections. And so right. how I tie your work and his together, when I start to teach now, I say, Joe Beckman says, when we're, when we're, we need to not be extraordinary, we need to be ordinary. And when we're ordinary, that's when we make MGCs. That's how I'm, yeah. I'm using it. Because yeah. when you're ordinary is when you've taken your teacher hat off, you've taken all the responsibility and all the weight that comes up with teaching and check this out. And I, he said, but Kevin, not everybody is like you or me or Dave, and they're not as vulnerable and all that stuff. And he said, and they don't even like the word vulnerable. It's like the word moist. You know, some people are just, Ooh, vulnerable. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so I, so that's why he said, that's why he gave ordinary as a replacement. But I told him, he said, but Kevin, check this out. When some teachers don't know how to do it, like they don't know how to share. He said, I gave them a Ford acronym, F-O-R-D. And I was like, like the vehicle. And he said, yes. He said, so if teachers are struggling to not, like, I don't know how to be ordinary. He said, either share about your family, your occupation, your recreation, or your dreams. Hmm. The reason I love that strategy, because Dave, like you said, now that's practical. Like you're yeah. literally telling teachers, okay, during the classroom, I need you to find an opportunity. And, and as you said, what I'm really, and I'm doing, I, I'm, I'm, and I have, I have pointed people back to your website and I've said, this is not me. I said, ultimately through our tools, what you're trying to create is that cross connect, but you're doing it by creating an MGC. That's what yeah. I'm telling people now, Dave Stewart Jr., yeah. right? And then, but I yeah. tell him, but I need, what I need for you to do is don't do it like me. Don't do it like the guy on the video. Do it how, You have to build a relationship by being you. And, there, and if you don't know how to be you, then I want you to think about right now at this training or online, I want you to think one thing that you would be willing to share with your students about family, occupation, recreation, or hobby, or dream. And the reason I say that, Dave, is, is because when the cross-connect model happens is this is where I break down barriers where teachers that are sitting in staff development with their arms crossed and go, I already build relationships with kids, like check, I'm moving on. Right. And I tell them, so what I ask him is, but do you cross connect? And so in every one of our tools, Dave, we say, this is when the teacher shares. This is when the teacher, so sometimes they share first, sometimes they share last, but they're instructed to share intentionally because if you don't instruct them to share intentionally, then some of them just won't because they won't see the value in that. Does, does that make sense? It does. It does. And I'm excited to look more into that cross connection idea because I feel like getting students to connect with one another has been that that's been where I've really struggled this year, especially with the, with the pandemic modes of teaching is facilitating that there's just, there's just a, there just need to be bigger, bigger barriers, obviously physical and distance and everything, but I'm eager to look into that, that cross connection because really MGCs have always focused on teacher to student. Correct. You know? They really have. It's, this is something you as a teacher can do to improve the degree to which students view you as credible and to improve their sense of belonging in your room. But I think when you start to, when you start to hit, so you said teacher to student, student to student, and then student to teacher to you, and then you oh, to right, them. Right, right, exactly. So, so I'm dealing with two of those, but when you start to get student to student on top of that, right now, now you just, oh man, I mean, it's, it's crazy what that's like for a young person to be in a classroom where those three types of connection are present. Well, because that's what I tell them. If you can create a true cross-connect community, then you're building community because no, everybody feels inclusive and everybody yeah. feels. And then what happens is now you take love and it's intertwined, right? right? right. Because, you know, I may not like you. I may not know you, but I, right. I may not know everything about you. And I think really the GTKY format came from me because teachers were against they were, everybody wants to get into content. Like they want to take connections and put it into content. 
And I tell them, so I'm very specific in the instructions, disconnect from academics. Don't turn this into a test preparation question, right? Hey, what's your favorite pizza? Now let's take those number of slices and divide it by how many students? No, 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 no. And I, cause what I tell them is, is when you're in the classroom, if I'm in Dave Stewart's classroom and I'm learning about the subject matter, well, I'm learning about who you are under this lens of the subject matter. Just like if it was math, right? If you're in math, I'm learning, you raise your hand, you're smart, you answer the questions. Mm. So I learn about who who Dave is while he's in that environment and under the academic setting. But if you stop for, and here's my point, either stop, interject, in our tools, you either tell them, do it at the beginning, the middle, the end, because I don't tell them when to do it because I just tell them how, but I tell them you have to do it. So you make a choice because some teachers say, well, it fits well for me at the beginning of the class when they first come in. Great. Well, I do a, I do a brain break. So our 60 second relate break is like a brain break, but instead of talking or downtime, we literally have a conversation that's either prompted or topic. We put a timer on for 60 seconds, Dave, and you literally, now this was pre pandemic. You would literally just walk around the class and you would have to shut up for 60 seconds not talk and just walk around and gather nuggets about your information from your students. And then when the timer goes off, Dave, then you share last. And because you have the floor, then you can say, okay, now we're going on to this. Or, you know, because teachers say, well, then how do I gain them back? I'm like, you teach them. This isn't something putting up a question and a timer. This is something you have to teach them. This is a very structured methodology of how to build and sustain a relationship while giving you a moment of genuine connection, but ultimately cross-connecting, which builds community, which builds trust, right? Yeah. And then you feel value seen and heard, then we feel, then we've experienced trust. So right. when we do this, Dave, it's so structured for those teachers that say, I don't know how. Right. And it's so crazy because I'll say, yeah, like, well, we, and we, and what we do, Dave, is, is we, we lead the information. And then if we do it appropriately, I send you with a teacher who's been using this for years to a small group. And then you go practice with that multiple times. So our trainings are really not sit and get. You get the information and then you go practice it and come back. But it's amazing on something like that, Dave. I'm like, you got any questions? And they're like, no. And I'm like, right. It's so simple. Right. Like the only way you could screw it up is to not just go through the steps and the protocol. And the only thing you need is a question and a timer. Yeah. So when you look at, well, what do I need? What materials I need? A GTKY question and a timer. And yeah. I'm like, you got one on your phone? Right. I'm like, you need questions? Go to our website. There's 28 right there. You want more questions? I've got more, you know, you can Google them on, on you know, whatever it is. And so once you put it in that term, they're like, oh, this is really easy. And you're like, exactly. But I'll go back and I'll go coach them, Dave, and I'm not seeing it. And they're like, oh, well, I got busy and, you know, the principal came in and, you know, well, we have the test and stuff. And so yeah. it's the first thing that gets abandoned, you know, relationships, me, I can teach you the most practical tools. I can teach you how to do it. You got yeah. it. You leave the training. You're good. And then if you don't put it into the fabric of your classroom right. and it is now in your DNA as a teacher in your daily routines, then as you said, it becomes just something that, and I, what I loved about you though, is I loved your idea of tracking because when mm, you talked yeah. about, I have to track how many, who, how many students I followed and do because without that, then you're randomly guessing, right? Because you're, you, yours necessarily wasn't cross-connecting. So now you have to make sure that I have learned something right. about them and they've learned something about me. But the idea of your intentionality, because to me, without intentionality, we there will, we, there will not be sustainability. Sorry, I've said a lot. What are your thoughts? Oh, man, don't apologize. I love this. I got, I got like uh, seven <laughs> sticky notes right now, man. <laughs> It's a delightful surprise to to connect with you, Kevin. I'm really excited. Yeah, I, th- I think that, so we, we talked earlier about how good riches law or whatever, that when the uh, measure becomes a target, it stops being a good measure. But on the other hand, th- this is the hard thing with wisdom, is that you're usually, usually you're getting into wisdom whenever you're realizing that two things are true at the same time that contradict each other, right? Okay, well said. <laughs> so on the other hand, what doesn't get measured doesn't get improved, Right. Or if you value something, then you ought to be measuring it. So, so both of those things are true at the same time. And the person who who wants to really see an upward trajectory in their work or their life has to grapple with both of those things and identify, okay, if I measure everything, I'm going to drive myself crazy, right? Maybe like there's 5% of people who have the right personality and disposition to just like have a super huge spreadsheet for their life. Most of the rest of us can really only handle a handful of things to measure at a time before we start to feel crazy. So given that relationships are such a critical component in any flourishing classroom, K through 12, 
or beyond, it makes sense to me to make one of the few things that you consistently measure something related to relationships. So what I've discovered is that for me, that's a clipboard with the name of all of my students. You know, so it's pretty small because it's teaching secondary, you've got a hundred plus kids, but they're all on one sheet of paper. And I can just make a note on here every time that I attempt a moment of genuine connection with a student. So if you do a few before class and a few after, let's say super conservatively three per day, then you'll end up getting through all the kids on your list every 10 days or so, depending on how many kids you have in a class. And what that builds up to is over the course of a semester or a year, you know, you've had you've had a significant number of attempts at genuine connection with every child on your roster. And I always tell people you can't control whether or not human connection happens, like like what you mentioned earlier. You can't tell someone how to feel. I can't tell a child, hey, you should feel valued, known, and respected right now. <laughs> you should feel like I care about you right now. But I I totally control whether or not I I attempt to make right. a child feel that way. So these are the types of things that I think a teacher should measure. I love that line that you said, though, you give people this uh, this uh, connection plan, right? Right. You give teachers this connection plan, but then you tell principals, but don't have people turn these in. And I think that that's that nuance of, I do want to give you a tool for trying these things out and keeping track. But I also don't want it to become something that you attach to, you know, pressure or or a penalty if you don't do it, because I want you to understand this. This is just, we all talk about work smarter, not harder, mm-hmm. right? It's like the fundamental cliche of education, work smarter, not harder. But like, this is what that actually looks like. Keeping track of this connection plan that you have, that's what it actually looks like to work smart as a teacher. I've got a plan. It's a, it's a list of really efficient, even dual purpose activities, right? Like, like the brain break, you said, okay, turn a brain break into a, into a relate break. It's a dual purpose activity. You're helping with cognitive load and learning, and then you're simultaneously getting this really cool brief look at things that your students care about and value. Like that to me sounds so fun. So you got my gears turning, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I appreciate that. That's realistically. So when you mentioned earlier about tracking them in, and that's why I was talking about, I love the intentionality. Anytime anyone is you and as you said data whatever but when it's intentional so for us as we've pointed out we say okay how am i going to connect with my students today that's the question of the day for us yeah and if you're understanding not just our methodology but our ideas then you're like well this is going to be gtky based mm-hmm. and i'm going to use this i'm going to use this question today and the whole idea is much like you have figured out and I, and I started there, Dave, I'm like, well, you have to use the beginning of the class or the first couple, you know, end right. or those types. And, and you, you've done a beautiful job of mm-hmm. doing that. I, all I said was, is, but check this out. I said, you can do this in, for my opinion, do it during class time, but, sure. all, but see it as an investment, not as mm-hmm. a waste of time. So time right. is, time is all perception. I'm either investing in something or it's a waste of time. And if it doesn't mm-hmm. bring any value, then it is a waste of time. So one, you got to understand the value behind it too. Then you have to figure out how does it work best into my classroom structure, which is why the autonomy of like beginning, middle, end. I had an elementary teacher and she said, Kevin, I have all these papers all day long, you know, and I'm handing back papers and whatever. I said, so, oh, and just, you know, our color green is how we describe our proactive model. So I said, take a green piece of a construction paper and put the word GTKY on it and shove it into those papers. And I said, so as you're teaching, there's your visual reminder. If you're putting it on your board and you're writing your daily objective, you write the GTKY question of the day. Because a lot of times what we tell them, Dave, is it, it can be a question that they have thought time. Hmm. They, it's not, a, it does not have to be an impromptu, you know, quiz-like question. Um, right. I literally had a teacher said, here's the question. She drew it out of the question box. And then she said, we're going to specials. This was elementary. We're going to specials. And then when we come back, this is what we're going to ask. So you have some thought time. I have some secondary teachers that the only way that they truly feel that they can gain a positive experience is if they give students an opportunity to write down their responses, because one, it reduces that parroting effect of, you know, what's your favorite food, pizza, 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 pizza. And then teachers, like if another kid says pizza, but it also gives them thought time. Then when they go to share, you don't get the, um, um, you know, and the, you know, and so you get reduced. Yeah. I don't know. So, 
there's a lot of things that we we realize that we can kind of trim the fat off of the aka excuses and minimize those things and really increase the productivity of this but the idea is you we never use it we always use said this we encourage we don't yeah. require anything because i don't want for one i can't ever require anything because i don't work in your district or your campus we encourage you to find a time in this classroom to make this moment of genuine connection by utilizing these practical tools that take less than two minutes in the classroom but yeah. if you only do it once a week you know, you're only, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. So the last thing I will say, Dave, is, is because you had mentioned the idea of not turning it in. So where I went to it is I went to it with weight loss. So, you know, weight loss, Dave, is think about it. If you hire a personal trainer or if you're, and there's a word, if you're motivated, if you're made it, motivated to lose weight or to gain strength or to write a book or whatever, if you hire somebody or you put a plan in front of you, uh, I always, come, uh, another phrase, I said, you can't wing relationships. That's a mm. quote I use all the time. So you can't wing relationships. So you're not going to just wing weight loss if you want to be intentional. So therefore, at the beginning, until it becomes second nature, I need to have a plan this week because yeah. one, I left this training or two, I heard Dave Stewart Jr. talking about this. And, and the whole idea is, is like, now I understand the value of importance and I want to go put this in action. Okay, yeah. well, in order to put it in action, you got to have a plan. In order to be sustainable, it's got to be intentional. And so, as you said, I just say, if you're moved today, because every one of our slides is either a head slide or a heart slide. I'm either giving you information or I'm speaking to your heart. Now, I will tell you, Dave, when I started professional development, I was very raw, newbie into this and didn't really understand right. the whole, the, particularly, are. but here's what I said. I was running into walls and running into walls and I was getting defensive. What do you mean relationships aren't going to work or you don't have time? Like, didn't I just show you and yeah. you know, model? And so I calmed down. <laughs> Mm -hmm. really be honest with you, went back kind of on my spiritual side and said, okay, what did I take away from the, the journey of my really ministry work that I was in college for the masters? And I said, okay, stop converting. Mm -hmm. Don't try to convert yeah. them, but watch this, Dave. Don't try to convince them, but don't condemn them. All of you, all my job to do is to do is to educate you and to convict you. If I speak to your heart, which is love, right? And I give you enough information and enough tools that it makes sense my hope and prayer that you will leave today not feeling condemned, convinced, or converted. You will feel convicted and you're like, wow, this may actually work. Yeah. And I think our growth, Dave, came from that genuine, authentic approach of we're not a right. salesman. We're not here yeah. to push your product. We're here to yeah. make a change. And we're going to show you data. We're going to show you videos. We're going to give you tools. Now, if you go back and you don't change a dang thing, I tell them, hey, that is completely on you. And I joke about it because I told them I don't get paid by conversion. I've got paid for it today, no matter what and whether, but I tell them more times than not, Dave, and this has probably been the most intrinsic part about this job. I've had people come up and say, I was ready to get out of education and give up, but you've given me a life preserver. You've given yeah. me hope. You've shown me that this can be done in a very practical way. So when you hear those types of statements from educators, you know, you're making a difference. And all I want to do now is make it be a difference ranker and a disruptor. And like not blowing things up, but just coming yeah. in and really navigating around this so that we can strategically see, okay, relationships are important. And this gentleman and his philosophy is effective, efficient, and it aligns with what our research says about relationships as, in, right. as you know, the value of, the, the, of that foundation. So why don't we give this a chance and be very direct? I, I, I'm shifting from more of an RCL than a restorative approach because the work in itself doesn't necessarily change. The front mm -hmm. of it does. And, and right. that's because Dave's, unfortunately, some schools will not work with me because we use restorative name, restorative practices in our name. Like there are just some school leaders that have gotten a, a you know, you've tasted the wrong restorative right. Kool-Aid or whatever it is, or yep. they're just like, that's nah, not approach for us. But RCL relationship centered learning, like that's just a, that's a universal approach versus yeah. a restorative approach is something a little bit kind of a niche. But as you said, we created our own lane yes. where nobody was really at. Yeah. And, th and that's where we grew in success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that it makes sense because you, so in general, I find that really good things tend, tend to start in a niche, but then develop out of it, right. you know? to produce something that's more, I guess, comprehensive, you know, restorative practice is, is really niche. And it, it is in people's minds, a solution to a problem or mm -hmm. a set of problems, but, but really 
the the heart of her sort of practice is is this idea that relationships are super important and if you just if you keep treating student student you know behavior issues the same way that we always have you're not actually solving the problem you just it's like the it's like the the, the metaphor of you keep finding babies in the river and like keep like education we we just tend to keep pulling the babies out of the river versus like well let's go up there and see what the heck is happening why are there babies in the river you know that's well, what the, you're doing well there's two things you pointed out one i didn't i've never self-reflected until you said this now my school had a problem think about it dave you just said something was really really powerful for me personally my school had a problem, so we solved it with a restorative approach because that's a pretty right. much a, a, a non-exclusionary approach to discipline, yeah. right? So what's interesting is, is and I tell people, we brought it in and we worked on building relationships, but it was more about on the back end, how to reduce suspensions, particularly for our black and brown kids, because 80% of our students were minority. And so we really worked, but it was to solve a problem. What did yeah. TEA bring me out for? And this is interesting because now that all the dots are connecting for me, Dave, they're like, we're going to, we have a, we have 20 service centers in the Texas state. It's like professional development hubs that are like run by educational services. So it's one big conglomerate. Yeah. 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 So they said, Kevin, we're going to go through 10 this year and 10 next year. And I just asked, how did you pick the first 10? They had the most dis disproportionality of suspensions. Yeah. So again, what were we doing? Solving a problem, right? Yeah. So I, it's interesting, Dave, as you said, it's kind of a niche. And that's why I really, I, man, when you said, it, I'm like, wow. But then somewhere along the line, I don't know where. And I don't know mm -hmm. when, but it clicked for me. Hey, this isn't necessarily solving a problem. I realized like we could swim upstream and like when we do these building relationships, we're seeing less problems. Right. So then when I really got into say like I got into Dallas ISD, Dallas ISD is the second largest school district in Texas. Well, we solved a problem. One campus went from like 289 suspensions to like 19 in one year. But what we saw was, is the proactive start. Well, that's really where the proactive started to really rise to the top. Well, then Fort Worth, they're at 88,000 students. They hired us based on that kind of contagion effect. And I had more school yeah. districts in the DFW area because it was just all, one grabbed off there for another. Right. But when they first brought me in, Dave, we were only at an elementary, only in third grade. And they said, Kevin, we have a 53% decrease in campus-wide discipline, and you're only in third grade on those campuses. And that's what we really started saying. And we started looking back and really using some of the data points that our districts provide. We don't do data. We, we let the districts do in-house. But we average, and you think about it, Dave, if you do something to prevent a heart attack or prevent the babies, yeah. you do it, then you should see a 50% and less babies because right. you're preventing it. So right. then I look back, Dave, and I, I said, okay, to my group, do you realize 90% of our trainings are no longer putting out fires and solving a problem? We are being called back more and more for the green practices, the relational. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, so what I did, Dave, is, is I, I mm. actually changed the name. Uh, restorative practices is the big umbrella. I called my green tools, which is really RCL. I called it relational practices because mm. I told them restorative practices makes you want to repair harm. What makes a teacher want to know, well, when do I repair harm and do all the other things? And so vocabulary is so key, which you've made me really, really think going through your stuff. So I see the value in that vocabulary, but I said, we're going to call it relational practices because yeah. it's all about just practices to build relationships. And so really what we transition from is national educators from restorative practices to national educators for relational practices. And then our, the, the new rebranding is really relationship centered learning because yeah. RCL you said it earlier, I believe on the cave wall of education through history, there are some initiatives and acronyms that have been like carved into there that have been really yeah. powerful. I feel like restorative, we were a Sharpie on the wall. You know, mm. like we made it, they tagged us. Yeah. Remember yeah, right. when we did restorative practices, right? Well, right. I'll be honest, Dave, I want RCL to be etched in the wall of education as a structure, as a format, as a philosophy, and my hashtag is actually going to be RCL before SEL. I'm not mm. going to compete. I'm not going to compete with SEL. I'm not even trying. No. I'm trying to get in front of it, Dave. Yeah. There's nobody there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to get it. So RCL before SEL, because if you look at comp five competencies in SEL, and, and that's what I tell them in that blog, and I'll send you that blog. I would love for your okay. feedback on it. I tell them I'm not competing. I'm not even talking bad about it. Social emotional learning when we really started to to bring that to the forefront and it was developed, I mean, it was it was needed because of the way yeah. our students were going through so much trauma and so much experiences. 
But here's what I say. Notice it's five competency and competency number four is building relationships. Well, so what I tell them is, is lesson-based curriculums, which is SEL, blend relationships where GTKY builds relationships. You know, so there's a difference between blending because some teachers say, oh, well, we can talk about math and we can build relationships. Correct. You're blending it. I'm talking about mm -hmm. then your foundation is not as strong, right? You're building a foundation. So for me, I'm not putting SEL down. I'm saying, what if you did RCL, then you do SEL? Because now when you, now we have this rock of relationships. Now we can talk about social, emotional, like you said, trauma. We can talk about race. Right, I mean, during right. the, during, you know, social injustice, we, I have people of color on my staff, Dave, and we were putting out a promote a video that just said, let's have these conversations. I jumped on with two of my uh, colleagues of color. Dave, I was like, this is awkward. How do we, how do we, yeah. how do we, how do we jump into a conversation talking about race? And we love and know each other. Right. So how are so students go, how are students of different color and of different demographics and background going to have conversations yeah. If we don't know when you eat Cheetos, how you clean your Cheetos fingers? That's one of my favorite class questions. <laughs> Think about it. I, you know, I'm like, when I, so what we do at the training, Dave, is, is we say, give me 10. We have teachers write down 10. Huh. But they're like, if you had a million dollars and if you could three islands, right. you know, three items to an island, I'm like, you're yeah. like, no, let me show you guys. Let me, let me, let me, let <laughs> me, the, the action figure one. If you had two, yeah. two things, if you, when you do Cheeto, <laughs> and I tell them what, what topping never goes on pizza, you know, like you have to get, so we give those GTKY questions, and but when we have the teachers write them down at the training day, well, then you've just left with 10 GTKY questions. You left right. with a handout how to do it. You've been shown how to do it. You've been modeled how to do it. You've been going. So when you get back to the classroom, I tell them, what's going to be your excuse? Because you got the questions. You got the handout. You got the tool. You got the training, right? right. The only excuses you're going to be is, I don't have time. Not going to be, I don't know how. Not going to be, I don't know the question, Right. But the hard part, Dave, is in that what we're doing with RCL is we're creating a teacher handbook that goes with it. We're creating flip cards with questions. We're creating spark cards. We're creating a connection calendar. So the teachers will actually get resources. So what I didn't see coming, Dave, is sure, while I'm training with Dave, I'll write down your 10 questions. Mm. Once I've exhausted those 10 questions, I'm not looking up 10 more questions. Interesting. Because, see, think yeah. about it. Now you're on my time. This is right. my content planning time or my Sunday right, night right. or whatever. So we were like, we, when we would go back to coach, we'd see gaps. Yeah. And they're like, well, I use those same questions. I'm like, you couldn't come up with more. So <laughs> then what I do is when I train a campus, I said, if there's 50 people here, everybody does 10, collect it, put it in a Google doc. Now you got 500. Right. And right. then, and then share, go. share access to it. But I told them, yeah. so, you know, I just have to create, you know, run into an obstacle. Okay. How can we do this? Okay. Yeah. And so just, I mean, when we do this, I, I see, I see the gaps. I see yeah. the intent where it's at, but I will tell you, Dave, your, your mindset and your philosophy. And I love your journey of how you got there. Because when, I think when you had said on the podcast, you were like, I think for my first, what was it? Year, year and a half, you were like, all I did was focus on relationships, like all the time. And then you're like, you realize like, I, that's not sustainable. Yeah, you can't right. just, and so I don't want people to ever think this guy, all this does is let's do relationships. No, I'm talking about building relationships in two minutes every day, because if you do it every day, it's like a drill. Yeah, well, right. then it's fundamental. It's like in sports, if you do a fundamental, now all of a sudden right. you've got the foundation, right? Which is right. that rock. You can right. block, you can hit, you can throw a ball, you can catch a ball, mm -hmm. whatever, because you're doing it every single day. So I told him, I said, wouldn't you and rather invest you know, one to two minutes every single day versus, okay, I'm going to do this one relationship building activity that takes X amount of time where I got to, you know, the, I said, yeah. because then it's more digestible mm -hmm. when you do it in little chunks versus one big, you know, one big activity where we're all going to build relationships and it's so formal versus the informal of just being ordinary and making a moment of genuine connection by sharing GTKY GK, GTK <laughs> opportunities using those questions. Yeah. Hmm. You're giving me a lot to think about today, sir. Well, you know, <laughs> listen, I'm going to apologize to my listeners because I feel like they're listening to me more than they're listening to you. Um, oh, they're listening to both of us kind of go on. Uh, no, but I, I just meant like, you're, yeah, you're my guest. And I'm just like, oh, can't dude. wait for Dave to share everything. Um, so, well, so, 
We'll what do, do what it are, again today if, if we have to, or we'll do it again someday if we have to. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. I love this. Any words of wisdom or parting thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners before we wind this up? I just really encourage people like you don't need a hundred people to teach you any topic in teaching. Once you find one or two, my recommendation to people is always, you know, if, if something's sparking, if something is starting to make teaching begin to fit together, all the responsibilities fit together, double, triple down on learning everything you can about that. So you're talking about all these tools and frameworks and things. I would just recommend people like go on, go on the blog, go on Kevin's blog and read it all, you know, or go on mine and read it all. Well, that's what I was about to say. I, sure. Let's get, I right, know, right. Let's, let's give them the website and let's give them all the information, how they can reach out to you and learn more yep. about what your thoughts are and ideas. Yep. Yeah. I mean, DaveStewartJr.com is, is my website and you can see right up at the top, a link to the blog. You can see a lot of past articles. My book is These Six Things, which is, what's the subtitle? How, how to focus your teaching on what matters the most. Mm-hmm. So one of the six things is student motivation, of which moments of genuine connection is a key part. But I just think so often in, in teaching and just in our world, we're so obsessed with getting as many books and articles and pod, like as much as possible. We don't often have an appetite for just a deep dive into one thinker, mm-hmm. but man, that, that makes a world of difference. So I'm, I'm just, that, that's my big word of wisdom to folks listening is keep pulling on this thread with Kevin or myself or, or both of us, but pull on it for a long time until you could teach somebody else exactly what Kevin teaches people and then move on in your professional learning. And you, I, I just observe people getting a lot further ahead, a lot faster in their, in their practice with that type of an approach. I think, but what you just described is how I viewed when I got into leadership and education, because too many times we're three miles wide and one inch deep, yeah. you know, versus three feet wide and one mile deep, Right. as you said, into, into just certain components in education that we know are key yeah. factors in helping whether it's the culture the campus academics whatever it is but you know become somewhat of an expert in those areas as you said yeah. because when you can teach someone else about it then other people will listen and then it yeah. will it will grow from there yeah well dave man i know your time is valuable listen man thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart just uh for one listening to me today and two for just allowing our our listeners to connect with you and to hear a little bit more about what you do and what your philosophy is And I just want to thank you from a a fellow educator for just your thoughts in being outside the box, Dave. I think I love and appreciate educators that have worked themselves outside the box through through wisdom, through experience, and as you said, through maturity. So, Dave, other than that, thank you for being on the show today. I appreciate you. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. My pleasure. Absolutely. Oh, so so listeners, listen, thank you for this is another outstanding episode with a great educator on here. Thank you for tuning in and we will connect with you next time.